We'll wait for the other two for a minute. Let me just check. Sorry. Hi. Okay. You all are clear on everything we discussed yesterday? Yeah. Anything you want to particularly discuss from yesterday or want me to recap? No. No, I think I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. Uh, today we're discussing user psychology. Okay. And then you've attended the earlier workshop, right? Yes. This one will be slightly repetitive for you. That's okay. Am I anything you're unclear on from yesterday or want me to re repeat? No, I think I'm okay. Yeah, yeah. Today we're going to talk about user psychology. Yeah. Samai, you've also attended, I think, one of my earlier workshops. Yeah. So this is going to be slightly repetitive. Um, the way we look at it for any brand, right, is first, while planning a strategy, you have to identify what platforms you want to be active on. Right? You can't be active on, let's say there are about five or seven major social networks. You can't be active on all of them. Right? It's not possible. It's basically, it's not that it's not possible. It's not the most practical thing to want to create that much content, right? Because content is a cost and you just don't want to put crap out there. So you have to be a little conscious of what you're putting out there and where you're putting. So we divide platforms into three major categories based on Categories that you go for looking for updates, categories that you go to looking for information, and categories that you go to look for entertainment. Yeah. While all platforms will have multi-facets, which means somewhere where you go for entertainment will also have, let's say, an update feature or an information feature. The primary reason a user is going by your user goes to that platform is how you categorize. For example, we go to Instagram for updates of what's happening with specific people that we follow on a day-to-day -day basis, right? That then when I go to the explore section, I may get some entertainment out of it and things like that. Or I may, let's say, follow a particular brand or I may follow certain news channels and I may get some information out of it. But I particularly go there for updates on what is happening with a close set of people. At max, 200 to 300 people. Even if you're following more than that, there is no way to keep track of more people than that, right? Another platform that people go to for updates becomes LinkedIn. What are other people doing? What are people, what are, where are they working? What's happening new in the industry? So you go to there for that place, right? Has someone changed their job? Has someone been promoted? So that is where you go to LinkedIn for. So these are two key platforms that you go to for updates. From an information perspective, I primarily recategorize Twitter and Facebook into this because the source of the information then becomes slightly irrelevant, but the piece of information becomes more relevant, right? Because you've added a lot more people, let's say on Facebook, than you have on Instagram. As far as Twitter is concerned, you're getting a lot of information and on Facebook also is being shared as a third party, right? So a lot of retweets happen on Twitter, a lot of reposting happens on Twitter. So people pick out art quotes from newspaper articles or websites and put it up online. People share a lot of videos or articles natively on Facebook, right? So then you're going for just the information, the source of the information or the person posting it becomes less important. You're okay with receiving random information. It can be fun. It can be not fun. It can be serious, but it's just information at the end of it, right? And the third category entertainment, this primarily include of let's say TikTok and YouTube. Here also you may want, you may go to YouTube and watch a DIY video and learn about some things like that. But that is also more from an entertainment perspective, kind of a thing where you just want to do it for yourself and not doing it for anybody else. And it's a very, it, though it's a social network, the social aspect of it is very limited. Mm -hmm. right? So while thinking about which platforms you're going to be active on, it's very important to understand why the user comes onto those platforms because your content has to cater to those, that uh, need of the, uh, the user, right? If I'm putting up a lot of job updates of mine on Instagram, 
or work related updates on instagram it's not necessarily a bad thing because i have a very limited set of people following me that maybe may care about me but i'm also going to alienate a lot of people that follow me for generic content and not necessarily what's happening to me work wise right so as example let's say we an average person has anywhere between 300 to 700 followers right in that case you have about 100 people that really care for you and want, don't care about don't mind whatever you post there are another 200 to 300 people that are following you just from a intrigue or a curiosity factor ki iske life mein kya ho raha right like i may know you in school i may know you in college or we met once or twice and i just follow you now if the topic is repetitive and not really of my interest i'm more likely to unfollow you whereas if you and me had added each other on linkedin and you kept doing this i would not unfollow you or i would not remove your connection because your content was specific to the platform right similarly when you think of igtv videos which are slightly longer compared to youtube get a lot less viewership because you're more likely to watch a longer form video on youtube than on igtv while the content is absolutely the same you mentally come on to instagram for a much shorter piece of content and a lot more information from different. you don't necessarily want to watch one 10 minute video with the same let's say a makeup tutorial or a cooking videos put up put up on youtube you're more likely to watch it but if i concise a video let's say down to a 20 30 second story and i put it on step 1 2 3 and tell you go watch the whole thing on youtube or dm me for a recipe that is likely to perform much better on instagram than it is on youtube youtube if i go and i show you the recipe in 30 second and tell you dm me that's never going to happen right so it's it's the same video same user but the psychology completely differs from platform to platform and when they access the content right similarly when i do this on twitter i'm going to have to break the recipe and content form down maybe add a few gifs to it to make it slightly more attractive and ask people to share their versions of it to make it inter- interactive which means have you eaten this have you what is your favorite recipe because on twitter people are more open to talk to random people me coming and having a conversation with a random person is acceptable but the same random person dms you on instagram is not acceptable even though the topic may be the same it may not be like a creepy or a weird thing you don't want to have that conversation but if you want your tweet to go viral you want it to engage you want those replies to start coming in right so these are the things that you need to start thinking about and the most important is the human the humanization of a brand so you have to think of a brand let's say if they were a person what would the personality be like right is this person more friendly to males or females could be both that's not necessarily a if and or but but you have to figure it out right what is the age group that this person is going to likely be friends with is this person funny serious sarcastic humble you have to start identifying two or three major traits and that defines the outline for your content right so a simple example is a bar can be funny make alcohol puns joke about it a doctor cannot or a medical brand cannot right i can't be funny about medication and things like that i can't make fun of the alcohol content in a sanitizer but a alcohol brand can or a bar can yeah, yeah? so because you have to stick to your who you are as a pers- brand personality it's easier to do this when you humanize the brand another thing that can be done in this case is create micro personality right because brands will normally have more than one product or service so while as a whole you appeal to a certain segment of audience and this is your certain personality but let's say for a client that we handled for many years banana leaf which is a pure veg south indian restaurant right so they are a family restaurant fairly well priced have authentic great food so they appeal to the family audience they can be funny but they need to be in the family territory they can't be this thing we have to always have the family vibes and those good vibes you have to talk about authenticity and the love that is in the food right but when i promote the thali of uh, banali thali at 249 i also have to appeal to the people that are slightly more conscious about their spends or want to have a great meal at a great price or love actual south indian food right this is going beyond the dosa idli vadas is actually going to appams and stews and different kind of curries 
let's say banana cutlets which is not something not, that on as a theory or a recipe appeals to a lot of people that are dosa idli fans so i have to break that personality separately if i'm trying to promote that particular product similarly for modart students that do fashion designing are very different from the students that do styling are very different from the students that do fashion management but as a whole modart is a fashion school talks about education talks about learning talks about how we are, we are adding new stuff to the syllabus and we are there but again when it breaks down at a course marketing level i have to create micro personality right so a styling or a designing faculty or student may be very interested in what is happening at the met gala a fashion management student wouldn't care less because it has no impact on actual retail or the luxury market per se right <clears throat> so that's how you have to think about it from micro personality once you identify this it becomes very easy for you to plan what are the platforms that become easy for you right because you can then define a narrative of what you can talk about the biggest challenge for a brand is you can talk about only five or seven things and you have to constantly keep talking about that which means dominos can only sell you pizza right so if they have to do instagram posts for a daily basis so let's say a three or a five year period they can only still talk about pizza they may have a few posts about let's say the garlic bread and the butterscotch mousse or the molten lava cake or whatever but primarily they want you to order the pizza they're not saying come order just lava cake from us right They're saying order the pizza this is an add on so this is where you, you the challenge starts fitting in on how are you going to talk about it our next class talks about creating a content calendar and talking about social platform your question so we will get into this but today we talk a little more on the psychology part of it is because when you start creating these micro personalities right that is where you can also pitch the same thing to different people right so the same 249 banana thali can be pitched from a narrative that it is very price affordable but can also be pitched from a perspective that we are giving you the biggest variety i can also run a challenge of how fast can you finish the whole thali i can also run it festively around onam or pongal which are south indian festivals so the narrative around the same dish can change into four five seven things depending on how you keep thinking about them right i can pick two or three spicy things and said this is the spiciest south indian dish you going to have are you are you up to try it and for everybody that doesn't like it they can still come and have the other parts of the dish but i'm talking about it from someone that really likes spicy right or i can include it into mix it into a sunday brunch kind of an activity and talk about it so when i break down into micro personalities is when i will be able to create repetitive and more content that's all. you have only that much you can sell right so the kind of posts that are there are normally 6 or 7 you can do photos you can do videos you can do gifs now you can also do stories why i consider story as a separate type of post is because the content is very different on what goes on a story versus what goes in a post right a story will go away in 24 hours it can be a lot more casual it can be a lot more interactive a post will likely to stay on your profile forever so you have to differentiate the kind of stuff you put up right, right. also in stories you can do polls q and a games you can have those kind of activities that are happening you do not do that in your post so the engagement is going to be slightly slightly lesser right then you have normal content pieces which are actually written content which means it could be short form long form it could be a blog it could be just a text piece right then you have something called as reposts that you do from other people's listing would you consider caption or written content or like just or or like a lot of um, bloggers especially will um like say uh, i i don't i don't know uh, what category to categorize or in but like there will be a photo but the the caption is like an entire article correct so, so then i would consider it as a pong right because the sto- the caption is not necessary sometimes it's just to add a supporting feature but sometimes the caption is the hero okay the image is just to get your attraction because the platform is image first right so a picture of a sunset but a lifelong quote yeah 
on how life is there and sunsets are beautiful and the end can be great and the poetry around it right so the actual content piece is not the picture you know, that that is what is playing the supporting role yeah so that that can be and then there are reposts what holds more weight sorry it depends on what holds more weight yeah so what is actually being trying to showcase right there are reposts and there is then something called as user generated content is this like your engagement where you kind of uh, like contests and stuff and where you get where you get them to like come back to you with some kind of post or something like that So contests are an easy cheat code to do this, but you can only run it that many times. What you are hoping for is, let's say you come to my restaurant and you take a picture of the dish you've been given, and you've natively created that content for me. I'm just going to repost it later and say, you know what, these guys really like my food. Mm-hmm. So even a review on Zomato can be considered as a user-generated piece of content because it is text content that has been put out there. I can put that into an image and promote it, saying, you know, my restaurant is so well reviewed. Or if you are a dosa lover like X Y Z person, you must come and try out our new. But wouldn't you say that user-generated content is probably the most reliable then? Yeah. It is. The challenge is to get people to do it. Uh-huh. Like hashtag challenges or something like that would be user-generated content. So hashtag challenge, the problem with that is it one works only on TikTok. So I'll get into the TikTok part and the hashtag challenge slightly later. So it's a slightly more elaborate conversation. Um, but in this case, user-generated content is ideally the best form of content. Like if you can have a profile that is filled. With user-generated stuff and talks very little about the brand, especially for an Instagram-focused brand, it works very well, right? Because that provides authenticity, right? But the whole challenge is now you've gone beyond the realm of online, and you have to have that offline experience that encourages you to take an offline action. My food has to look that good for you to take a picture, or my waiters have to be skilled enough to take a picture of your group that is good enough for you to post and tag me. I have to have my handles and hashtags prominently placed, so you will remember to tag me or place a hashtag or use it like that. So it re- really requires a sudden push from the offline world for you to be able to do that. Like you may really want to do it, and you may take a picture, but you may never tag me, right? So then I don't, I never get the picture. So that is what is happening. But if you're looking at from let's say a content piece or if let's say you're a B two B company, then user generated content is going to be very minimal, right? If you're looking from consumer brands, yes, it can be higher. But again, then fashion and all not necessary. I see you tag every time you wear the brand. Like if you're wearing a Zara T-shirt, you're not going to really tag Zara. Right? You don't even think about it from that perspective. So then they need to be creating authentic content that looks and provides a different vision. Right? Mm-hmm. So from a B2B brand, I can get the CEO right now. Let's say, especially talking about let's say Corona, to talk about it from let's say writing blogs and how their business is dealing with it. What are they seeing in the industry and promote themselves as a thought leader. Because then, at least I am respected for my thought. I am not necessarily going to be able to get a sale right now, but you will come back to me when you think something is good because you trust me as a great person in the company, right? So you you go back, you you go to a restaurant for its food, but you always appreciate the service, right? You expect it to have decent food or good food, but if this is great service, you'll always think of it like, wow, let's go back there, right? That is what is the pullback factor in most cases similarly in business if you have a great experience or someone you believe is thought is right or not just saying yes to everything you say it's a great pullback i may not be like today we had a call with someone from the travel industry that's never done digital but wanted to create a new website and things like that right we had a long conversation with the founders and things like that and they said you know what one year down the line and we want to sell these packages and it's really cheap and i know travel is not going to open up very soon but you know There are people that are looking to get married in March 2021. Is you know people can travel and book it so cheap. You will get a lot of questions. If I'm actually looking to get married, sure, I want to know what is the best deal I can get. If you ask me for one rupee, you're not going to get it. There is no chance that is happening. And for everybody else that you're going to put off by wanting to sell me some stuff right now, 
is just irritating i don't want to be sold anything right now but you do something fun like give me a virtual background of maldives for my zoom calls and you will get a small number of people that to download it and actually use it because it's an effort but it's a fun activity to have and then put meetings of you all are having and you all are present in different locations of the world depending on what areas you are handling and do a tutorial with your corporate clients or other people that know and teach them how to set it up right so if you have example done it for a school or if you done it for a client and you take into a trip send them the like the virtual backgrounds for those particular locations so it's creating a callback and remember we'd gone on this trip and it was so good and those conversations of when they want to really come back to do a trip they will remember what you how good you performed so thinking of it from that perspective of what you what part of the user psychology do you want to appeal in should define the kind of content you start putting up right so once you define your micro personality you also start defining your user personality obviously of who the user is and then you have to figure out what is really going to appeal to this person right i don't even the workshops given these two examples i just repeat them because they're really great and these two brands do a fantastic job of it but mercedes appeals to kids between the ages of 20 to 25 because the parents of these at, at that age of these children will seek their children's approval of what car they should get if they've made it if i can impress my 20 year old son or daughter with a mercedes i probably get the mercedes over the bmw right similarly mcdonald's goes to kids much below the age of 5 because these are the kids that grew up in mcdonald's and end up eating a lot more mcdonald's because they spent their childhood there and they they psychologically think it's great to be able to eat at mcdonald's it's very okay right a lot of user personalities get defined between the ages of 1 to 5 1 to 10 right think of your childhood favorite actor think of your childhood favorite memories movies songs these are really really special and they've impacted what you like ahead mm-hmm. very few people have gone back and said you know what i was a session tendo the fan in the as a kid but i don't like him anymore that just doesn't happen right so for me i used to love sachin tendulkar as a kid i used to love shahrukh khan as a kid I just between Pepsi and Coke, I support Pepsi because both of them endorse Pepsi at that time. It was never a thing why I like Pepsi or Coke. I'm not a big cola person, but if you ask me Pepsi or Coke, I say Pepsi very subconsciously because that's how I've thought about it all my life, right? So this is where it comes from. It's not that personalities and brands don't go, but if you can get into these kids at a certain age group, depending on the brand that you are, of course, then it really makes sense. So like that's how Nike used to have these elaborate video ads of people running on trucks and playing on the streets and things like that. Because you idolize these sports celebrities, and it was cool. You knew you would never do this, mm-hmm. but when you play outside the same way they do, wearing those Nike shoes is supposed to be just cool. Mm-hmm. So Nike wanted that cool factor. That video never appealed to someone, uh, let's say a parent in thirty, forty years. They look truck pick, cut it, okay, or cricket kill, right? Or what are they doing? Or these random football trick videos that they are making, right? But if I think Nike is cool and Cristiano Ronaldo is cool and he wears these shoes, I want those shoes, right? And that's where it comes from. even though the kid is not the decision maker not the peer in this case for a platform like facebook you also have to think about how you break it down which means as a brand you have something called as a facebook page that you have to create right you can also have facebook groups and then you can have a profile you can do the same thing on linkedin where you can have a business page you can have a employee profile and you can also have group instagram will let you have a business profile and a personal profile right everywhere else is just one thing you don't have separation why this is important is because who am i talking to or who am i responding to as a user gets defined by the kind of page you are, or the profile you have right so if i get added to a group by let's say xyz company i'm not really interested i'm going to leave i'm going to think it's spam but if i get added person to it by an employee of the group who's not a say an actual employee it's a fake profile is made it with a picture of a girl and has a nice name or whatever and you add a bunch of group people to that listing it's going to pique their attention slightly a little bit more if i get a friend request from these kind of people even male or female so female will always get more attention on digital media than social especially in these random cases you will accept the friend request when when that person then such 
selling it and let's say does it is not now trying to pretend to be an employee of the company just saying you know what i am a consumer of this company and these products are great and it has a and this is a very elaborate lie that i'm talking about right this person is also posting about other stuff and things like that so it's not just selling stuff but also says this is great this is great psychologically to a lot of people that's going to convince them that this is great like when you follow an influencer and they are they get into a long term contract with a brand that says you know what for one year use my product and you can't talk about other things but other products but you talk about for one year and you do it every few weeks you make it seem very organic when i think they're using it for a year and they really must like it so why would they lie about it for a year while in the day to day life they may be wearing multiple other brands and doing a lot of other things now the contract doesn't allow them for them to talk about it i saw that this is a bad product but for me it seems like this is the only product and that narrative drives the users to maybe purchasing it so here the brand is not doing it themselves the brand could have taken a testimonial and done a video with the influencer and just posted saying you know what this guy loves the this person loves the product i flipped it gone from a personal approaching in their personal life they really love this so you should have it creating groups specifically related to micro personalities is a great idea because facebook groups are actually a very engaged community so are linkedin groups so example if you have a student group or a college group they normally die after a period of excitement in the beginning or this thing but if you have topical groups let's say that job postings that are happening or sometimes it's a particular industry group that's created and if you get the right audience there are shares content and you need a strong admin to start filtering stuff out you don't want any rubbish being posted and it does it can't become like a whatsapp group where any jokes are also going in or that So luckily, most of these groups have an approval system where the admin has to approve all the posts that get put. But in that case, the groups have become very engaged. So for a fashion brand aimed at college students to have a fashion, have a group of college students around particular interests, nothing to do with fashion, is great. But the fact that I am curating the conversation puts me on top of mind to this brand personality, right? Think of this from Red Bull's perspective: adventure sports, skating, cycling, all of these things. Red Bull is a big sponsor. When someone skydived from the top of the orbit, Red Bull sponsored it and paid millions of dollars to do it, right? Because if you're thinking of doing anything extreme, or these people with high energy, you start thinking of Red Bull. It's a very subconscious brand association, right? I don't know what happened with you guys, but in my household, this is very common. Even in my extended family, pav bhaji and coke just go together. It's a subconscious thing that has happened because the ads in the earlier '90s had people eating this kind of fancy food at home and have a coke, and that was what. having a small party at home meant right and it's just subconsciously that's there with you that just stays with you it's like eating mcdonald's at panvel on the way to lonavla when you go it's a subconscious something that stays with you because you've done it for the longest time and now you travel in the morning and there were fuck all breakfast menu but you just stop and still eat it because why why the hell not right but you still end up doing that so creating a small engaged group is always valuable we'll talk a little bit about hashtags now if you are let's say a not known brand or if you're trying to create visibility hashtags work great across platforms like twitter instagram facebook all of these places have hashtag based discoverability even tiktok for that matter and you can use it to the limit which means don't be ashamed to put 30 hashtags into a post and you may feel like my friends are going to judge me and what is wrong with this person and itna kon hashtag dal raha but the reach really works right i am telling you this specifically because i test these things on my profile before i even do it to the brand i can't do it to the brand so i have to test it with my profile figure out what works and what doesn't and then go ahead and do it Right. So for for my brand, I for my personal posts, I've tried long captions, short captions, fifty, thirty hashtag, ten hashtag, five hashtag. Seen the difference, right? So if you open Instagram even right now and you search any hashtag of your choice, right? So let's say we search, give me a hashtag. We'll all do the same one. Any hashtag is okay. Uh, inspirational quotes. <laughs> yeah. You see the if you open it on Instagram right now on your phone, you get a divide between top and recent. Yeah. 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 And so people that normally are looking for, let's say, inspirational quote, and they're using this search factor, 
go to recent and start searching what is there go to top and start searching what is there when you post something you automatically make it into recent for sure yeah if you've done something of quality right and you start getting engagement for a while you'll move into the top set which is upfront which is what shows up first when you search something and then that gives you a lot of visibility the same thing applies to stories when you put a hashtag let's say which is common and people that are looking at stories around that particular hashtag right you get a lot of views from that hashtag more than what you get from your friends of course you have to have an open profile for this yeah. both of these things to work but yeah right so hashtags are great to be used what you have to then figure out is how many and which work for you the timing that works for you i was going to ask like um, is the does the time you uh, post at make Different. Big difference. Big difference. Right. So, if you are a brand, you normally get insights on what time your follower bases are active. What most people will do is go blindly to what is the most time most followers are active. The right way to do is a test two, three times and find out where the most engaged audience is. Right. So, example for a wellness brand that we work with, for us, morning six a.m. works great. Most of our audience is not even up at six a.m. But when they wake up between seven and eight and they open their phone or Instagram. This is what they see first, and then they have a nice quote or something. Breathe for, take a breath, and kind of things like that. Like it's going to be a good day. They feel good. They, I get a like out of it. Mm-hmm. If I did the same thing, let's say one in the afternoon, they're like, "Fuck off, I'm busy. I don't need to take a breath, and I don't. I can't be doing all of this." Right. Mm-hmm. Similarly, for a food brand, if you're doing, let's say, 11 a.m. pre-lunch, it's good. Pre-dinner is good. That 4 a.m. snack time is good. Right. I I can't sell you a pizza at 2:30 or 3 p.m. I just can't. You've eaten. So I have to think about it. When is it that my user psychology will play? Right, because the same person will fit into multiple brand psychologies. Someone who's a pizza lover is also a fashion lover, is also a sports person, is also a family person, also loves Netflix, but also loves dancing, but loves shorts on the weekends. So the user personality is very broad. I have to find when am I the most appealing to you? Right. So you think about it from that perspective. You then start narrowing your hashtags in what you're going to use most prominently. Right. So you start putting one hashtag across post, but you include it into the design. Or let's say on Twitter, you get rid of the other three and you start putting one when you've had a little bit of discoverability. Because brands start associate people start associating that one hashtag with you. Think of it like a catchphrase that one of your friends say and keep saying it repeatedly, no matter what. Every time that catchphrase happens, you think of that person, right? This is a slightly popular example, but if I say how you're doing, you can easily think of Joey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad all of you got a friends reference. Very <laughs> proud of you. Yeah. But it's something that you hear enough, or you've just associate that with this thing, right? And I didn't even say it in the way Joey says it. I just said it very generically. It didn't take time for you all to just put it together. And it's a very common thing that people say. How are you doing? It's not something like it's very random. And on a day to day basis, when someone says it, you're not making that association. And someone texts you, how are you doing? You're not thinking of Joey. Yeah. Right. But- But if I used it in a particular brand hashtag and a design format, it automatically gets the reference, right? So you can't build that around for any brand. But if you make it slightly more generic, it becomes easier for the consumers to start using. Like think of Cadbury and Kuch Mita Ho Jaye, right? It's a very generic thing. You can you say it a lot of times. It also has that filmy aspect to it, where you've heard it in movies in 90s Bollywood, where something happens. It's a good occasion to Kuch Mita Ho Jaye. Why not? That like kind of a thing, right? So it has that referencing. It has that thing, but it is also something you can use in your day-to-day when you talk to a person, right? So that is where it comes from. You may never, you may say, "Kuch mitha hoja and eat Snickers." You may not eat Cadbury, but subconsciously, brand association to Cadbury still remains. But you can also incentivize people to use a particular hashtag, right? Like in association with a brand. So, for instance, again, like if I have to come back to the whole context, then um, you know, like. 
when when you incentivize somebody for their entry to be counted uh, by using a particular hashtag or by or by tagging a particular brand or something like that um isn't that also a faster way for your hashtag to become trending than see the whole idea and i am one person who's i i'm not a fan of contests i don't think it gets yeah. to a core audience it's not building a loyal following people that are there for the freebies will always be there for the freebies irrelevant of what the brand is and people that care for the brand don't necessarily care about the freebies and if they've been with me a long time i can incentivize their loyalty in multiple ways without publicizing what you're saying is correct i can have users make a story post and put my hashtag and do all of that correct yeah. but also the their following knows that they're doing it for a contest it the association doesn't stick as much it doesn't get loyalty what you're trying to tell when so. i talk about a brand on my instagram and i use the brand's hashtag and just say this is fantastic mm-hmm. that says a lot more and even if i get 10 people to do it without a contest is worth lot more than 10000 people doing it with a contest for example like a nike they keep hmm. a lot of contests but that's more to incentive incentive like what what's the incentive behind that because they're multi- so nike or a brand consumer brand which is that mass right just wants you to be a part of the process of purchasing online trying new stuff there there's a there in a phase of consumer education where they want want you to buy stuff from nike so that is first process second try a lot of their own products. so nike sells a lot of their own products right yeah. so yeah. they want you to try and buy those So I am basically breaking what we discussed as barriers to entry yesterday, as a registration, purchase, all of this. They keep breaking these barriers by saying participate in the contest and send this to you for free. I'll send this to you. And that way, if more people do it, I'm getting it that value around it where I get enough people to think of Nike when they think of it, and they may go to a website and they may check my product out, even if they don't participate in the contest. So, so it's something that is that mass appealing, right? Also, they have other brands and they have other stuff on their website, which means their reach is much higher, which means. you may come for one thing and buy another thing and they may still be able to cater to you right so that is where that works for them but if you think of it from let's say any other brand perspective right it's not going to work as much which if you, the minute you start narrowing your audience down like slightly also it doesn't work right so this is what happened for all zomato gold restaurants the day gold went away they may have reduced the pricing they may have a lot of new offers i just think gold name it's a very psychological thing they may give me the exact same deal in a different way and i will not take it you have said i have fitted into such a typical consumer <laughs> category <laughs> but yeah makes sense it just it just the way the brain works like all of these restaurants on zomato that have these discounts they're not on discount i can't understand how how the restaurants were making money during exactly during that time so what they made so, money that's why they stopped it now it's so like the whole zomato gold fight was you would get a lot of new people that was zomato's promise that happened the restaurants just didn't realize how much it would work right you expect few tables that you don't expect a regular crowd to go away but now even the regular cloud is not paying full bills even they are taking a discount mm-hmm. so your this thing your cost effectiveness has gone away then they reduce it to let's say 50% of the table and it was still valuable now it's one in three slowly bad now the problem is zomato the, <laughs> the restaurants have not lost anything restaurants got new customers people tried it they may not come back as often but they may still circulate back to a place which was really good yeah. the only person that's going to lose business in this is zomato i'm not going to renew gold so it's not valuable enough for me mm. right even if the price the problem is the price is between 80 899 up to 1899 depending on when you bought it and what the referral deal was at that time you could get value out of it in two three times and the value was very clear i would go i would order two drinks or get two free the second time i did it my money was recovered yeah, yeah? 
now i have to have three people and i may not get this deal here and the complications are so higher well the value may be much bigger i just i if i don't see it up front i'm not buying it so i think with the generation like if you have to categorize those of we're very lazy the minute you have we're to inherently lazy you have to think of a second step to something you're like let it be as long as there's not like a button to click right exactly. there in front of you you're not bothering so, to do it i'm telling you so the minute zomato started online delivery okay and this is like not all restaurants were on zomato delivery and very few had just made it i stopped ordering on like offline i'll stop calling people i said if you're not on zomato i can't order yeah because i can't go through the headache of explaining my address to you and repeating what i need and then spell out my whole building name yeah and then repeat it three times and then he'll confirm the order with me you know who benefited the most from online ordering subway subway survived in india purely out of online ordering they could never get a telephone order right they just could yeah, because it's a lot for them it's a lot to take on the phone no right? it's not it's not it's really not it's the same thing if i have a interface in front of me onions yes cucumber yes tomatoes no whatever That's the bloody true. order is the problem is they didn't systemize it they had someone writing in some rubbish handwriting by answering <laughs> seven phone calls on a piece of paper that yeah. he could not understand after he finished the call and he got the order wrong mm. and even if you call subway today and tell them sorry order will say aap online order karo mai phone pe le nahi nahi you will flat out refuse i promise you try it when i called this i did it they, i couldn't get through them online i was showing the restaurants offline so i called them sir nahi kuch ho gaya sir sir aaj woh jo delivery wala nahi hoga 5 10 minute baad try karo aapko ho jayega par aap offline order karo mai order nahi dete so this is changes consumer behavior but also to reduces barriers to entry right so the amount of new restaurants you order trying end up trying from right yeah. and zomato is a great example of swiggy is a great example of a technological trend that has changed consumer behavior and you have to keep up with it hashtags right? are also trends at the end of the day but it's not changing consumer how a user behaves is not changed because of a hashtag hmm. but how people interact with the brand has changed because you can order online hmm. Amount of people that are now ordering groceries online, realizing it's one still cheap, not like the price difference is nominal, and sometimes it's a good deal. Two, the quality is up to the mark, depending on where you're ordering from. I just going to stick to ordering online, mm-hmm. right? For so example, so my mother, she has these specific places where she gets dal and chawal from, and the point was the best is the best, but she's going to stick to that. But for people in my office that are now not necessarily as stuck to their own sources and can order from anywhere, I'm very happy. Seeing, I'm not going to have to go to the market. I don't have to go buy 10 kilos of rice, bring it up and carry it. I don't do any of it. It just comes home. This is now changed inherent behavior. Our generation does not want to own a car. Uber and Ola work. It's simple. I do not want to put five, ten, fifteen lakhs into a car, block that money. I rather travel, do a lot of other things. Public transport and Ola, Uber work. I just don't need the car. And this is the same thing that's going to happen in the real estate market. That our generation will not see the need to own a house. Buy apartment. Yeah, buy house. Two reasons. One, inherently, real estate is so expensive that nobody, and I mean nobody, can buy the house of their choice. Even if you have hundred crores in your bank account today, the house you want is more expensive than what you can pay for, right? So if you have hundred crores in your bank account today, you want Mukesh Ambani's style of house. You usually can't because he spent six thousand crores making it, right? So it just can't happen. So nobody can buy a house. None of us will. What has to now change is the renting part of it. If you can create, that's where the gap is. Most houses available on rent are either poorly furnished, or the leases are terrible, and it just doesn't work, right? And there are a lot of these rules around it. Single women, single men cannot give this, that. You have you have all of these religion things, and building has its own rules. If you create dedicated spaces that are on rent, and this is already happening, which are very well furnished and done properly, and I give it to you, and I say I'll give you a five-year lease on this, and you take it. 
and then paanch saal ke liye you're okay yeah no. you're set most importantly is why people have not been able to move people that have always lived in a house right mm-hmm. one is the parents believe that ek to apna ghar hona chahiye two when you enter the house because you lived in a house that was good and well furnished when you go to a house that is not well furnished you don't see you can't visualize what it is the product is not being sold to you yeah. right i can get you the best tasting pizza but if it looks like shit i may not get half the people to try it mm-hmm. it's the same way this works what is it that is going to appeal to the user if i can make it seem like really nice apartments well priced long term leases it's going to work the ability to customize or something like you know make some See, customization just as work from a cost perspective but that's a business thing because if after 5 years i don't want to redo the house i just want to do fixing of what has been yeah but i mean like something i'm not talking about like major renovations i'm not talking about like breaking a wall or something obviously but like the op- option to like paint or something like that or, that know. any is most guys will offer you at an additional cost in rent so it's not a problem as such so they'll let you do it yourself like you do it for your you pay and you get it done right but i'm talking about now in an environment where let's say work from home is going to become so what we're living in today corona is the biggest change in human behavior that we're going to see for this, probably our lifetime hopefully for our lifetime we're going to go through something like this again right so this one is a at least 18 month cycle we do not see switching so we're going to see the lockdown open close open close open close keep happening constantly right the so germany open lockdown has now announced they're going to go back into lockdown so singapore hong kong have already done it we're going to have it now with next time when the extension comes in green, like bombay is already put into the red zone We are already mentally prepared till June. That it is going to be going on. I am saying prepared in December. You are going to have parts of it open, parts of it closed, and it is going to be a constant discussion. But online education has become like within two weeks, every school went online. Yeah. Every parent that thought this does not work, that tablet pe padhai nahi ho sakti hai, has realized tablet pe hi padhai hogi abhi. So yehi karna padega. Because one, bachcha hai to mera sir khaa jayega. Two, teacher isko fail kar degi. so i have to do this when the kids start studying and showing marks it changed me as a person i have become a believer like it happened with online groceries works from home is another thing that's going to happen and remain very constant because real estate is crazy expensive rent is a easy cost to cut travel time in the city like bombay is ridiculous why not just work from home go to work 2 3 days a week but if i have let's say 100 employees but i have only 50 seats in my office i can have people coming in parts i have to i can cut my rent cost by half Anyway, happening. Sorry, uh, with um, say, uh, oh my God, where was we? Uh, when I was working, Shams, we were, yeah, right. Where the offices stopped hiring because for the employees, but you had like a desk. Yeah. Yeah. Now this is now this is the WeWork is going to suffer the most. Yeah. Because now WeWork is the more expensive office, even if though it's flexible, yeah. WeWork is fairly more expensive, right? I why should I go to a WeWork when I can just Either have a small space of my own, because rent prices will reduce, and WeWork has ten-year leases that they just can't renegotiate right now, and their infrastructure cost is so high they can't reduce rent beyond yeah. the point. Yeah, WeWork. Right? So they are in big trouble. Any co-working space right now is in big trouble. Like we work out of co-working space, and for us, it's great because we also have something called as remote working. The one we use has about thirteen centers across Mumbai. So a couple of days a week, you're allowed to just go to another center and work from there. That way, you're also out of your house because space constraints are there, distractions are there. You also want to get fresh when you get out, but you don't have to travel. Let's say from we have people that come from all over Bombay, right? You can go to a center in Thane and not come to Andheri, mm-hmm. and you can just work remotely. So the cafe is still noisier, so this is the proper work environment, but you're still not at home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But this is something we encourage and understand. A lot of companies are not going to do this. They're just going to say work from home. Sure, oh, yeah. 
boy or whatever then at least your mother is not coming every 10 minutes in lunch abhi <laughs> You know, like yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> I love the fact that you used the young boy example. Yeah, I like how you didn't. I think girls nobody cares, man. Like a quality. I, I, I can't. I, I wish I could argue with you on this, but I really can't beyond the point. So I have to do. Yeah, but coming back to the real estate conversation. So now imagine a co-living space, which also is a co-working space that I can get membership to just because I live in the same building. So get yeah. get rid of the ridiculous swimming pools and tennis courts that nobody is using from buildings. Start making dedicated workspaces that people can use, and that will do a lot better. Yeah, but that was happening in the West in any case. I think I'm not sure how how applicable it was in whether in India, but I remember um in Atlanta like two years ago, this friend of mine was studying there and. Uh, in their building is what they had like a little coffee thing but doesn't lotha have that where sarathi they are exactly there are very few um few like uh few organizations in bombay that i have actually conceptualized that like co living and co working um yeah, exactly. kind of, it is happening yeah. but also it's happening at a very premium tier Yeah, so you That's have right. to pay the Lodha for it to be happening. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I have to first buy a ten crore house. Then, <laughs> then I already have a fancy cabin that I want to go to. I don't want to go to a co-working space yeah. now, right? So yeah. they've got the audience wrong. They've gotten the concept right, okay. but the audience wrong. Yeah. But you do this, let's say Dadar, Chembur, Borivali, Kandivali, all of these places. It just works. And also, I mean, if you were to like target the younger, um, like a younger generation who's not really looking to afford. I mean, they they can't really afford a two-bedroom space, or like start off with a one-bedroom yeah. space, and who are still like enterprising and they want to do something of their own. I mean, that makes so much sense. Like, absolutely works. Them. Absolutely works. Yeah. One, I don't have to travel. Time saved. I don't need yeah. to spend on Uber, which is crazy expensive. I don't have to go through a train, which is basically gambling with your life on a daily basis. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So the biggest complaint my team members have is the fact that they have to travel through train. Like they get. Pushed and bumped into, and it's sweaty, and it takes long, and it's a nightmare. But they just have no other choice, right? So now is the time you start identifying what user psychology is going to change. Like online education is going to be a big thing, no choice, no no questions asked, right? Online groceries are going to be a big thing. A lot more e-commerce is also going to get adopted because you've just gotten used to it. Yes, right. Okay. Online entertainment is going to be a big thing. Most people don't want to go to movie theaters anymore. Right? Uh, this also forces a lot of uh, the generation gap. Like uh, earlier, a lot of only targeted young because that's what is like our generation onwards were using, um, say, Instagram or say a particular platform. But because of like the era we're in right now, like COVID or whatever, it's kind of forcing. Like I know my uncles who would not look at anything besides the maximum technology savvy they were were looking at a what. WhatsApp video that came through, but now they have no choice but to say have access online newspapers or like yeah, yeah, of course that's a big thing, right? So, but even for people that are technologically savvy, and now this is a B two B conversation, mm-hmm. so there are tools like Slack. I don't know if you all know this, right? There's something called a Slack or Teams, which is offered by Microsoft. Right? These are chat platforms that are used for work. Where you can have distributed conversations. So let's say for us, the Slack channel is we have a separate channel for brand, okay. so which means a brand A, brand B, brand C, right? So my chats for that brand happen only in that space, and we can also share files and all of this across. Mm-hmm. Then I have a separate chat for my designers. I have a separate chat for my content writers. So in case I want to share something only in a specific department, I can do that, right? Now this is how we spoke because it eliminated all internal emails. Earlier, all of this conversation was happening in email, which means keeping a track of it is difficult. There's a lot of back and forth. Half of people are not reading it. Then your email notifications pile up, and you're like, "Fuck it, I don't want to read it." Right now, most people have moved to a system like this because they have to talk to their teams. Right? 
So Teams has gone up from let's say 44 million users, and Microsoft had an earning call yesterday, to 72 million users in a matter of three weeks. They've gotten almost 179% growth. Right? Zoom has gone from 10 million users to 300 million users. Correct? This is Zoom never shit. going to happen otherwise. But now, if after this COVID is even over, and someone tells me, "Why don't we come to Worli for a meeting?" I said, "You know what? Why don't we just get on a Zoom call?" Yeah. I'm not going to travel two hours unless it's like really something I need to discuss with you face to face, a payment thing or a strategy team meeting where 15 of us are going to be in a big conference room. I get it. But other than that, let's just talk. Get on a video call. I don't need to necessarily come to Worli to see you, man. It's just not happening anymore. So this is where you will see drastic changes in user behavior. And we will always talk about our lives in pre-corona and post-corona terms. Mm. Right? Any questions I can answer for you guys? Any more conversations, specific topics that you want to have? Mm. See, given this is a five-day workshop, right? I have very limited time to one. Do, let's say, give your assignments. I just can't. I don't have the time to do it and check back, right? Mm. But start linking every class to the next one. Hmm. So we did brand personality and user personality by making the website. How does that extend to social media is what we spoke about today primarily, right? And then we broke it up platform by platform. What we will talk about tomorrow is creating content at a platform level and how to create what we call as a brand calendar. We plan for let's say 30 days, 45 days and what is going to go on this platform. It's just not possible to create a post every day. So you yeah. do 15, 20 days in advance, you get approvals from clients and multiple discussions and you get that done. So you have to then link that back to the user psychology conversation that we had. And does the website still serve the purpose? Then we'll talk about media spends and things like that. And you have to link all of that. Right? So even when you go back and you connect two, three dots like this, and you then you start having, so I'm more than happy to have a discussion like we did at the end of every class we're having. And I'm really happy, enjoying that. So if I want to have a discussion that links multiple things, or you all think of something or a particular topic, I want to see, you know, how, if you have, can you explain to me how does this connect to this? I'm more than happy to talk about. Okay. And that is where the whole thing will make a lot more sense to you guys. Yeah. Understanding it in separation is okay, but you'll have to think about it as a whole thing. Mm-hmm. Like I was thinking of this for my personal more or less is that like at the end of the five days or something like that like while we've been talking I've been making notes right so um, for like my own brand or something like that like the end of our five days if I can put discuss what I've thought and then absolutely see how applicable it is with each um, class that yeah. more than happy to have that conversation okay thank you girls I'll see you tomorrow yeah. bye bye on time tomorrow I promise <laughs> yeah. I'll believe when I see it okay <laughs> bye Bye, lady. Bye.